Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to the Leave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. Okay, James, it is a tough, like, day to do the podcast because, like, Obviously, what happened with John Tavares in Game 1 overshadows everything and overshadows hockey. Um, I guess I think we should start there. We'll talk a little bit about the game, obviously, and and kind of looking ahead to to Game 2. But that that was, you and I were were sitting beside each other in the building. That's as scary as it gets. Like, that was just an awful thing to see. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't, I can't remember another time feeling exactly like that. I mean, it. I remember I remember being at that game in Montreal when, when George Peros got hurt, you know, on the fight. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, but... Because you didn't know. I mean, George Peros was just, like, completely out. You wondered, like, you know, hit his head right on the ice without a helmet on. and But I don't know. There was something... Just you know, the building's empty, and and it's they they cut the crowd noise and the music, and and we're just you and I are sitting there right at the blue line where he's hurt, watching from the from the three hundred level, and it's six hundred. Is that? Oh yeah, we, that's right. We were up at the top. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a detour to the three hundred level when I went to the wrong, the wrong spot when I got there. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I just didn't really feel like watching the rest of the first period. I, I didn't. I felt like leaving for a bit or something. I don't know. I. I it felt like really nauseous watching that because. Um, I don't. I haven't really watched the full broadcast to see how they showed it on TV. But in person, you know, in real time, like you could hear him kind of yelling it was almost like he was saying like no or something really loud and like he was he he was just like really out of it and and it looked like he was resisting and pushing back against the doctors and like he it was and he was all covered in blood and you know in in real time you you have no idea you know like did you know did he break his neck or like i mean just like the like if that, I, I was saying to my wife this morning, like if, if something like that happened to like a, a, your average person, like these guys are basically like superhuman, like the way that they're trained and the way that they're conditioned and how strong they are. And if that happened to you or me, Jonas, like we're not, we, we'd be in much worse shape. So I, I don't know. Well, we don't know how serious it is. It sounds like he's avoided the worst outcomes, um, but I'd be pretty surprised if he plays again anytime soon. Yeah, it's. I mean, at that point, like you're wondering, like how did how did this, how does the game go on? Like that's that's all I could think is like how do you and, and like who cares? And you wonder like how if you're playing. I mean, you, you, we were watching the bench and just 
you could see that they were just like distraught. And then the game just starts again. And it's like, you could see for a while for the rest of that first period, they were just, um, I don't know what the right word is. They were just flustered. Like it, it, and understandably, yeah. like, how do you, I mean, we're sitting there as media members watching and we're like, geez, like our stomachs are like are knots. Like uh, I'm sure it's for the same for every fan watching. And you're like, and now you're just supposed to play again. And it's, it's a playoff game and it's, it's just it's one of the the obviously the the really shitty parts about sports like when you see stuff like that happen and yeah i don't i don't know what else you can say like you know Sheldon Keefe said who you know who's been in the game his entire life that it was it was kind of you know the toughest incident that he's he's been a part of and you know, it, 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 those guys have seen a lot in hockey. They've seen, you know, I'm sure they've seen teammates stretchered off. I mean, I've seen it yep. in, in person, like what, eight, nine times. I've, 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 I've seen guys stretchered off in beer league games where they get hurt. And it was everything after though, James, like it was like him trying to stand him clearly. Yeah. Like just not knowing what was going on. It was like, it was everything. It was the, them like hollering for. The, the stretcher to come out. It was just every, it was Kyle Dubas like running down um, from where he was watching the game. It was just everything that was so eerie and like eerie. It would be eerie under normal circumstances with fans, but when there's no one in the building, I mean, we saw the same thing with Jake Muzzin last year. It just adds this, this really gross feeling to it. And, and I thought the, the Leafs did a really nice thing and, coming onto the ice and, and kind of showing him off um, when they stretched Corey, him off. And Corey, and Corey Perry kind of went up and tapped yeah. him, right? And Well, and he obviously didn't mean to do that. Um, and we're going to talk about the fight that happened afterwards. Um, I, th- I think we should talk about, like, the, the impact of losing Tavares. Um, it is a, it's a significant loss. Like, you could make the, the case, and I think this is true, He's their third most important forward just because the the gap between him and the next guy at center, which is presumably Alex Kerfoot, is large. Like he, I don't know. I mean, Jonas, you can almost argue he's the second most important just because of the position he plays. And they don't could, have the, yeah. like I was thinking about this last night. You know, like what, what the worst absences for the Leafs in a series would be Matthews number one and I don't know Campbell number two. I think mm, even in yeah even an injury on defense, you could probably patch okay. Yeah. Maybe, I, don't I mean, know the gap, great. like James, like the, like you're saying, the gap between Tavares and Kerfoot is significant. I mean, even this version of Tavares was like a 30 goal, 70 point player. And like Kerfoot at his best is like, has been like 17 goals, 30, 40 points. Like they're well, just, he's bigger, he's stronger. He's like, he's a, he's a goal scorer. He makes plays like Jonas, power I mean, play. there's debate whether Kerfoot can be a third line center. Yeah. Now he's, now he's your second. Yeah. Uh, this significantly impacts their ability to win the series and their ability to have a long run in the playoffs. It it, it really, really does. Uh, assuming Tavares, I, I mean, I'm assuming he's out for the series for sure. I guess uh, you just never know, right? Well, so we're recording this on Friday morning. The Leafs are going to practice later today. So we'll, by the time you're listening to this, you will know in all likelihood his status, though it's possible they give a murky status because maybe they don't know. Um, but, but I mean, James, like teams, teams lose players like to injuries, significant players. Tampa won a cup essentially without, not essentially, they won a cup without Steven Stamkos. He played like, what did he play? One game, two games. Um, Tampa has been without 
Did Kudrow didn't he play like whole... five minutes or something and he scored one goal and that was it? I think that's yeah. all he played. Yeah. yeah. And like they're 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 not perfectly similar because Stampos has been playing the wing. And, and Tampa's and Tampa's deeper and better. Tampa's too. deeper. Like, yeah. That's know, the thing. That's, sure. You know, the Leafs are the fifth or the sixth best team in the league and you lose one of your best players at a position where you don't have a lot of you don't have a replacement. I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna do. Well, there's not many options. There's not much they can do, right? Well, you know, as we said, first of all, you know, like hopefully John Tavares is all right. And of course. But we're going to get into the some of the lineup stuff. Um, you know, okay, so Kerfoot's your second line center. But Jonas, I don't think that – I don't think you can have a line that can't produce any offense anymore because you're not going to – offense all of a sudden is going to be at a premium. You know, you well, don't. But have James, a, what choice do you have? Like, you don't have well, anyone else. Don't, what are you going to do? Don't create a, a line that can't produce any offense. Like, put some guys into the lineup, whether it's Galchenyuk or Robertson or whoever who can create offense. Engvall. James, you, you need know. a center. Like, who's playing center? Like, who do you want there? That's the problem. Like, that's. I mean, no, you no, can no, put Gal- Galchenyuk's about, a winger. Like, yeah, where I'm are you putting about, him? I'm, I'm talking about some of the other lines and getting away from the idea of having like a Riley Nash third line that's there to shut down the other team. Like I, I think that that makes a lot more sense. Have having a shut down defensive line. If you have enough offense from your other lines, which I'm not sure that they do anymore. But the problem with your, your theory is there's no other person you could like, you can put in Galchenyuk. He can't play center. So like, let's say you take out no, Riley I'm Nash. Not, yeah. But Jonas, I'm not saying play Galchenyuk instead of Tavares. I'm just saying, but so, what are you saying they should do? I don't. I'm saying that the, I'm saying they shouldn't have a, a checking line that is that can't produce offense. But that's their personnel, that, like, James. That's what I'm saying. Like, who are you going to play? Your your lineup composition needs to to change, and you're going to need to think about the way you're like they're, they they you know, don't the, have the players going, like that's going the problem. Into, well, they don't have to compose their lines in a way that one of them can't produce offense. Why can't they mix it up so that every line has some sort of an element or a threat on it? Who? Like, where are these players, James? Like, they don't have the players. Like, that's the problem. Like, so, I, I just don't understand how you think this is, they can do this. Like, Mikheyev is there. Like, who are you taking out and who are you putting in? Like, you can put Pierre Engvall in. Pierre Engvall's no, like, he's maybe marginally better at producing offense than, than Riley well, Nash. But, like, if your line is... I is, think very clearly Nash falls at best to your fourth line center. Okay. And plays only like eight minutes. I mean, like he looked like a guy that hadn't played in a long time. Yes, like he, he did. did not. He did not play very well. So a guy who, at the best of times, and I, I love Riley Nash. He's a great guy, and he's a he's a, isn't he's he from a, Kamloops? He's a solid player, and uh, but it's you know I think one of the things we saw in Game One is that Leafs looked like they had a bunch of guys that hadn't played in a long time, and you know kudos to you. That was something that you pointed out before Game One that obviously made an impact and. You know, I think the Leafs felt like they could get away with having some rustier players, given that they were such heavy favorites. But I mean, are they favorites anymore after dropping the first game? It's it's got to be. Should real, be. No, I think be, they're still favorites. Just like statistically speaking, it's got to be really close without Tavares and losing the first game. It's got to be really close to a coin flip now. Like they're they're not eighty percent favorites or whatever Dom had before. I it's, still think they should win the series. Yeah, but like I said, you know, statistically, I mean, they've got to win four of of six now. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Like, the Matthews line dominated and didn't score. I mean, there was that one instance where it's not the Matthews line, but it's Nylander set up Marner, great chance, 
Carey Price makes an unbelievable save. Matthews rings a shot on the power play off the post. Like this was a game like very easily goes their way. Uh, but the, like we'll we'll talk a bit about the power play in a little bit. That's obviously an issue um, still. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, the Felino fight and kind of the implications of that. Um, in the moment, what are you thinking when that happens? I was kind of surprised it happened, to be honest. Like me too. I, I understand. Like I, I was kind of like looking down and like still thinking about Tavares, and then you look up and it's like, oh, there, there's guys fighting now. So. You know, Foligno said after that he didn't see a replay and he didn't really know. Like, the players didn't have the same kind of understanding of the way the events unfolded as... It's just different. When you're in the building, it's it's different. And when you're, you're, you're living it in real time, it's different than watching at home. So, um, sometimes... But, I, I mean... Well, so hang on a sec. Let's let's hear from Nick Foligno on on why he decided to, to fight Corey, Corey Perry in that instance. It's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, a lot of emotions and a lot of great teammates that's passed by. Just being around this useful energy that gets me excited, and they got a lot of it here. But uh, yeah, just soak it all in. You know, I feel like I'm you know young again. It's it's a good feeling to be in. Our captain's laying on the ice. Uh, it's nothing more than that. I think Perry obliged, and it's unfortunate. I don't think it's malicious, but. My captain's laying on the ice. Our captain. I mean, that's that's you don't want to see that, and and I think it just addresses the situation. Everyone moves on. So I, I think he, uh, you understand his point. Um, I think what you hit on is really important um, as as part of the explanation. There is no replay in there. They didn't get to see it like we like like people at home and like we had monitors that we could see what happened. They didn't. All they saw is is there is Tavares like. Felino says, like, their captain is lying on the ice, he's bloodied, and Corey Perry is the one that hit him. And Corey Perry obviously has a history of questionable decisions, so they don't know. Like, all they know is that Corey Perry hit him, he's down on the ice, it's awful, and obviously this gets into the whole code and such. Um, what, Like, what do you think they should, what should happen in that situation? Nothing? Well, no, I mean it's an accident on the ice. Like, it's but like, again, but James, you have to remember they don't know that. Yeah, so well, assume, I already, I already said that. But the problem, Jonas, is that in so hockey, assume that they they think it's not. Who an cares? Accident. Who cares, Jonas? Like, like th- this is the problem with the code and everything. Is like trying like the players are supposed to decide that whoever you fight someone based on when someone's hurt, you have to do something about it. Well, no, like that's not the way the world works. Like it's not. It's it's like this eye for an eye stuff that like the players shouldn't be the ones because they don't know like if you don't know then you shouldn't be out there trying to like right the wrong that's you know but you don't not know either like you you, you're assuming even if you do know like is like the way that the game should be that you go punch people when like they make a mistake or whatever like it's just it's so stupid it's one of the dumbest things that's left in hockey and I don't criticize Foligno because like he didn't make up these rules or whatever codes or all this nonsense. Like, I, I think I said to you in the press box, right? Like, well, like, like, so let's say those guys fight and then Perry gets hurt. Is that like, the, is that what's supposed to happen? Yeah. Is it like, is he supposed to be bloody lying on the ice and get an, get it, get another stretcher out there for another guy. And then, Oh, okay. Yeah. We figured it out. Well, but then someone would have to fight Foligno cause then he, cause then he bloodied Perry. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not one of hockey's finer points, obviously. 
I, like I said, I don't blame Felino because this is just like the way hockey is. But I think hockey should like think about the way that it is sometimes. And like you, you don't have to, there doesn't have to be a fight every time there's a clean hit or every time there's an accident or every time there doesn't have to be a fight. Like it, it's not. But Jay, not let's, but let, let me ask that, you this question. How should, how should players handle it? Let's say they think it's a bad hit. How should they handle it? Just do, just do nothing. Like, I guess that's what we're saying. Just because the, the only thing I'd add, James, is, is we think about this in hockey terms. This happens in other sports when, when, um, uh, someone gets beaned in, in baseball, they throw it at a guy. Like, it happens. Like, this. Yeah, but in, like, the NBA. In, in, and- yeah, no, in the NBA, when there's a hard foul, there's, there's, there's not fights, but there's, there's a lot of chatting and there's a lot of, Verging yeah, so on the whatever. On yeah, well, fine, fine. Have some. I mean, we're not criticizing. Do we really need to like punch people in the face because like something happened on the ice that we don't understand? I don't think so. I will say, like, it is. I mean, we wrote about this, Josh and I, for the athletic about Nick Foligno. This is why he endears himself to teammates. Like, you can question the decision, but I mean, the action clearly is meant to show support for Tavares. And I think that that part is, is not lost on me at least. No, I mean, like I said, I mean, I don't, it's not Nick Foligno. I think it's, it's a, it's a greater problem in hockey that, that it, it's considered acceptable to beat someone up, you know, whatever happens. It's, it's like almost like a playground instinct, but it, it, it this whole thing highlights how silly the code is because <laughs> like, you're fighting a guy, like some act of God happens on the ice and someone gets hurt and you go beat someone up over it. Like, come on. It's ridiculous. I guess the one thing that, that um, he, he said, um, too, is, is that it kind of does close the book on it. And I think there's something to that. I just, don't, I just think there's got to be a better way to close the book on it. I just don't know how you... Like, let's say... It, I mean, we've seen bad hits. Um, let's say there's no fighting... What happens? Like, does I guess play goes on and like because like in that instance, like you're emotional if you're a teammate and you see something like that happen and you think it's bad. Well, I mean, you're going to want to defend your teammate. Have like, some clean hits on the other guy and score on the power play and win the game. And yeah, there's going to be things that don't go your way in life. I don't know if the way to resolve them is to beat up who you determine is to blame. This isn't the same thing, but it, you know, the, the code was really should have died with the whole Bertuzzi thing because like, like that was completely ridiculous. Yeah. It was completely, that's an example of players trying to determine in their minds when, when they're in, in your, like you're saying in the heat of the moment, when they're, they're, they're fired up trying to determine what the fitting punishment is. doesn't work. No. Anyway, the fight was nothing. So, like, I'm not, like, obviously, Craig Perry didn't get hurt or whatever. And, like, it's just, that just shines a light on something in hockey that, that is a little bit backwards. Yeah, I just wonder how it changes. And until, I mean, they outlaw fighting, I think it's probably the only way it changes. Well, I think at some point fighting will be a game misconduct. So, if it's a game misconduct, then Foligno's probably not fighting 10 minutes into the game. No. Yeah, maybe that's just the simple solution. All right, let's go back to the actual game and kind of looking ahead to game two. Toronto power play obviously was an issue for a large chunk of the year. Um, 
I thought it actually looked pretty good early in the game. I, I, I thought Rasmus Sandin brought something that it lacked. Um, he's really creative. He, I thought he made this one really great play where he, he pulled the penalty killers in and then he like they, he made them think he was going to shoot and then he moved it to Matthews and that was the one he, he rung off the post. Um, but obviously they go for four. They had an, an opportunity late in regulation to tie the game. Sandin was out at that point. Um, what would be like your concern level about the power play? Because now, like you, you mentioned the offense and like now they're going to be even more dependent on that Matthews line. The power play just takes on greater importance now with Tavares out. Yeah, and it's weaker too. I mean, we saw that the six and five situation, they had Felino out there. They really could have used Tavares out there. You know, it's... Um, the power play is a, it's a huge problem, huge, huge, huge problem. And, you know, honestly, at this point, I think this is on the coaching staff to get this figured out. I mean, it's been on the coaching staff for a while and they've, they've tried all kinds of different things Yeah, and nothing has worked. I mean, it, it is like, think about it when you think, when you zoom out, it's really bold to put a rookie basically well, on your it, top power play unit. But it that backfired just on them too. It backfired, it back, yeah. It back, I mean, the, the winning goal was because of... I mean, it, it, Thornton made a mistake, but but Thornton was on the unit too, right? Like, yep. that was a weird decision that he was on that top power play unit. The, like, the, that was a slow power play unit. The what, One thing I don't think... We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but one thing I don't think has been talked about enough with how bad the power play's been, they keep giving up goals. Yes. They keep giving up chances. Like there was a long stretch this season over like 15 games where the power play was outscored because they were allowing so many shorthanded goals. I, I, I believe the Leafs lead the NHL in shorthanded goals allowed. I think it's like eight now, including that one in game one. I am looking it up. Yeah, that would tie them for the most with Washington. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And that like that's on the coaching staff because whatever scheme you're using, it's got to account for... Game one was not a very good game for Sheldon Keefe. It, it wasn't. And he's had a very good season and he's had a very good tenure with the Leafs. And early in the game, the Habs were getting in behind the defense over and over and over again. And it looked like the Leafs adjusted later in the game, but you know, there were some there were some mistakes made. And it's gonna take a really special, I think, coaching performance to as I was trying to explain, I think they need to change the idea of what their different lines are going to do and the functions they're going to have and how they're going to play without Tavares. And it's going to be on Keith and, and his coaching staff to pivot and to, and to figure that out. Well, to, to go back to the power play, because that, what you're talking about is interesting and we can delve a little further into that. Uh, these are the attempts, the shot attempts on the power play. Austin Matthews, six. Sandine one, Spezza one, Thornton one, Marner one, Riley one, Neander one, Hyman one. Only two players actually landed shots on goal, and that was Matthews with two and Sandine with one. Well, we were so saying this, if you look at that first power play unit, it's like Marner can't isn't a big shooter. Thornton there's no shooters. There's Thornton one shooter. Shoot like Sandine can get it through from the point, but he's not like a big shot. And who am I forgetting? Hyman at the front of the net, right? Like it's, it's not a shooter. <laughs> like, if you're covering that power play unit, who who are you putting most of your manpower on? Just worry about Matthews. And that's, like, why we've been talking about um, Neilander and why I've always thought Neilander should be there somehow in, in a different spot. Like, I've thought that they underutilized Neilander 
They, I, they should probably go back and watch a video of Matthews and Nylander together when they were on the opposite flanks and they were passing it back and forth. And th- like that was one of the most interesting power plays I remember seeing. Like that needs to yes. be one. That needs to be one of the looks they incorporate with Tavares out. Do you know what's funny, James? Like I for the the Monday column, that was one of the things I had in there at one point. I'd actually found a clip from one of those years and one of those goals, and I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to include this. Like I don't know. Like I don't know why I didn't. Um, maybe I'll pull it up now, but anyway, it's something that they're going to have to figure out. And now without Tavares, who is one of their better power play options and and one of their more dangerous shooters, it becomes weaker. And and I would think that they'll go back to the loaded up unit. Um, I don't know what other options they they really do have. Um, let me ask you, like, what would you do with Sandine? No, Jonas, there's an update on Tavares here that's coming from the leaves. Okay. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs captain John Tavares has been discharged from the hospital this morning. He was thoroughly examined and assessed by the neurological team at St. Michael's Hospital and the club's medical director. He was kept overnight for observation and is now resting at home under the care and supervision of team physicians. Tavares will be out indefinitely. Okay. So I think that's good news. I think that I think that's really good news. To send him home, I mean, it. it it's probably... We don't know exactly. It's probably a bad, really bad concussion. And uh, obviously that can cause lasting problems. But, um, you know, the fact that all the diagnostics didn't, didn't, didn't return anything and he's at home is, is huge. So uh, that's great. Yeah, that's like obviously this, that's – and that's what the players said. Like that's what was flashing through their minds. And I think that was flashing through our minds. And I'm sure fans at home is like you're thinking of this – forget about hockey you're just thinking of him as like a human and like he has two young kids like he's got a life like he's got a he's gonna have a life after hockey you just want him to be all right i think he's going to be yeah but he it's it's concussions are so hard i've had concussions and like it's it's really hard to know you know the the timeline and everything obviously so i'd be shocked if he plays in this series i'd be surprised if he plays in the playoffs this year why don't we let's talk about um so I'm I'm curious. Like we we kind of debated this a little bit already, but we didn't articulate what we were thinking. Like let's let's talk to Sand- about Sandy and I think after this. But like, what do you think the lines look like? Like you just you just sub Kerfoot in for Tavares, and then your other lines look similar. Yeah, I, I don't see. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just don't think they have the personnel to do what you're saying. Can you build another line though, Jonas? That can give you some offense. Like, can you build something around like Spezza and? You, they don't like. Can, do you want to play Spets on Spets and Engvall? Like, is that's that's tough, James? Like, a we'll create like a, a sheltered line on your. That's their fourth or line. Get Robertson in there. You need you need centers, man. Like so, like let's say you put Galchenyuk in. Galchenyuk, Nealander, who Kerfoot. Like even then, like here. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Maybe you put Foligno with Nash. Like it looked like they had a little bit of chemistry there. I know they've played together a little bit. Maybe that's your shutdown line. I don't know. Like it's, they're going to need, I mean, you know what? Like, honestly, they're going to need Foligno to like score some goals and like, dude, you know, like I know that he's tailed off offensively. He's 33 years old, but they're going to need some of these other guys to score. They can't win this series if they don't get some, you know, they they just lost a 40 goal guy. When they played without Matthews, that was their solution. They just put Kerfoot, they moved Tavares up obviously, and they played Kerfoot on the second line center spot. So like, I, I, I tend to think that that's what they'll do. 
Um, and I, and I think they, they could still win the series like that. Like I, I still think it's conceivable that the Neander can, can be the engine of, of that line and that the Matthews line is just going to be so good that it, that it maybe won't matter. But like, this goes back to the decision, like to, to trade for Felino instead of someone like Taylor Hall is like, that's one of the upsides of, of Taylor Hall is like, he's insurance on your stars. Like he's just another guy and you've seen it in the Boston series he scored them like two really big goals. Um, and so that's, I, I know like the Leafs offensively during the regular season, five on five were very, very good. But you, we saw last year, like it can go away. Like you, you always kind of need more goals at playoff time. So this is kind of the dilemma that they face a little bit. And obviously losing Tavares, like they're never going to, like even if they add Taylor Hall, it's still going to be the same challenge because of their center ice depth but is there someone else is there someone else you can take out like I, I would almost be tempted to take out a Simmons or something and just get like some guys who can put the puck in the net a little bit better although I, I, I thought that guy's still going to be playing in the fourth line though right like that's 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 another part of the issue like James when you're relying on all these older players at the bottom of your roster the, you can't move them up I mean you look at like Tampa's fourth line and like Colorado's fourth line and they got like these younger kind of speedy guys it's there are limitations to these guys like you can't play Spezza 16 minutes that's why I would want to get like Engvall has been playing well and at least has a little bit of offense in in the shot and some confidence like I would want I bring Galchenyuk and Engvall in I'm just not 100% sure who I sit I mean maybe you sit Nash and you're just like you know what he doesn't look like he's ready the problem is like they're going to want Nash for this playoff run and so if like you don't use him now I wouldn't overreact like that. To me, that that feels like an overreaction. Um, I would put Engvall in. I'd put him on that third line in Kerfoot's So you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't play Galchenyuk then? No. Yeah, okay. I also don't really – like the, the other thing is I don't t- really trust Galchenyuk. Like, and, and offensively, he does make plays, but it's not like his numbers are like off the charts. Like the, I think the Engvall numbers- makes sense in this series too with just like the way that it's going. And I mean, you got his decision-making isn't always the greatest either, but – you get like maybe you want you need a line that's just like kind of like a track meet line like you get Engvall, Nash, and McKayev out there or something. Well, and that line with those two were at their best when it was Engvall in the middle with Hyman on the right and McKayev on the left, and it yeah. was just like all this speed and all the skating. Now, obviously, Nash isn't like that. Maybe they do that, Jonas. Like maybe you go back to that line and you get Hyman down there, and then at least like like the thing I liked about that line is that like Hyman was giving them some offensive push on that line. Yeah, that's interesting. The downside then is 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 your you don't play Hyman as much, and that was an issue actually. At that point, you looked at the end of the game, and some nights Hyman had played fourteen minutes, and that's. But Matthews and Marner don't need Hyman. Like if if your other lines are just desperate for talent, then the tough thing too is that Hyman looked like he hadn't played in a long time. Like he looked. Yes. Well, I thought he he got better as the game went along. Yeah, early on though, he looked really kind of slow. I mean, Uh, let's say. Let me. I'm just sketching this out on the fly but so say you went how do you like this uh Foligno, matthews marner galchenyuk yep. kerfoot nylander but you said galchenyuk wasn't coming in no well i'm just playing with your your idea and then a third line of mikhaev nash hyman i i don't know that you really need a shutdown line in the series and that was like one of the things like well that's what i that's what i was saying is that i i think you get away from i think you get away from the shutdown line now 
I, th- I think the reason you do it, you do it now because you need your lines to do more than just like you're not going to have two buzzsaw lines. You're not. I, I guess we'll know what practice here, what the lines are. We're spending all this time debating what you do, and then by the time people hear the show, I mean it's probably going to be evident what they're looking at doing. But it's it's an interesting debate to try and think, talk through before we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and even you, people listening to this will know, like you said. But that doesn't stop the debate from raging and, on. And, and these are the decisions. Like this is like one of the things like in, in looking ahead to Sheldon Keefe in the playoffs, this is when like a coach, this is what, what a coach does. Like when, when things get really rough, how does he react? What does he do? Uh, how does he kind of keep the group on track? Like how does he change the lineup? You know what I mean? Like this is when a coach gets tested. Speaking of which, I've been watching when I can the the Florida Tampa series, and I watched a little bit of it, you know, last night, kind of in the background when I was writing my story about Tavares and Joel Quenneville is doing a marvelous job with with Florida. You know, like what it's it's interesting to see. You know, someone has that much experience and the way he's managing his bench and everything. It's that's the one thing with Keefe. You know, he's still. He's 40, but he's still learning. You know, he's only been in the NHL for 100 games. So, yep. Um, the, the, you, I took us in a different direction, but we can talk about Sandine. I mean, I think with Sandine, I, I would play Dermot, honestly. Well, like looking at the way the series was going, looking at how easily the Montreal was entering the zone, that's one of the strengths that Dermot has. Um, yeah, that's and, also one of the strengths Sandine has, to be fair. To denying entries into the zone? Oh, sorry. I thought you said breaking out of the zone. Sorry. No, 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 no. Like how easy Montreal was entering the Leafs zone. Like oh. they need they need to prevent that better. And I think that Dermot can do that. And he's good at that. He he can simplify some things. The Leafs are going to have to change what they're doing tactically because you know you could see it in the, even before Tavares got hurt in the beginning part of the game. Montreal was coming up into kind of like the soft spot high in the offensive zone, and then and then filtering a puck behind the Leafs blue liner to a charging teammate on the other side. It was, and it, it was working over and over again. So. Well, and, and the other, the other part of it is if you're not going to use Sandine on that top power play unit, and you're a little worried that about how he's going to acquit himself in some of those situations you're talking about, then you take him out. Do you think uh, Robertson helps the team at all? Or is it just like, he's just not ready to, I don't know if he's like I. I'm a huge fan. He didn't play a lot down the stretch too with the Marlies, um, and obviously it was a kind of a bumpy situation for him with the Leafs with the injury and then coming back and then he gets yeah. a brief opportunity. Yeah, he really. Yeah, he I just only didn't had get one the, point in the six games with the Leafs, so it's not like. And his last game with the Marlies was on May 12th. So it's a, it's another guy who hasn't played, but like it, I guess it would be the same with Galchenyuk. Like I mean, I think he would have played right around the same time. Um, and sa- same with Engvall. It's tough, man. Like this is why, why you need depth. Like this is this is why it's important. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
All right, James, let's take a, a few minutes and answer some questions in the annual segment we call the pod bag. Go ahead. All right. Well, let's start with a tough one. Scott says, does the injury to Tavares change your prediction of the series outcome? Well, I think losing the first game and losing Tavares, I mean, you know, Jonas said the Leafs would win in five. I said the Leafs would win in six. Um, this is clearly going to be a long series, and especially if Carey Price keeps playing the way that he did in game one. Um, I, w I would still pick the Leafs in the series, but their odds of winning it are greatly, greatly diminished. I would change my pick to the Leafs in six. I, I still think that they're much better than Montreal. That doesn't mean sports are sports. Like the better team doesn't always win, but I would still pick the Leafs. I would say the Leafs in seven, by the way. Okay. Uh, Scott Lake wants to know, should Bogosian sit for Dermot Sandin? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Bogosian looked a little bit rusty, but uh, I thought he was fine. Yeah, he looked a little rusty early in the game, but he's not he's not coming out, and I don't think he should be coming. He was out. good on the penalty kill, right? Like I thought the penalty kill looked fine. I mean, they're yeah. lu they're lucky that the penalty kill played well. Yep. Uh, Nick would like to know what about Foligno as a second line center? I don't think so. I mean, so I talk, he he didn't yeah, play a lot of center in Columbus. I mean, I, I, no. I, and there was a point just in in researching for the story we wrote on him where they moved him over in a pinch, and and I don't think it actually went very well. And and he's thirty three now. Um, and, and the other option that we haven't talked about is, is Neander, but no, they did not go to that all season. Obviously the last time they went to that was in game five. Yeah. There's some bad juju around. Here. Yeah. It, it, and like, they've done it before and it has not gone well. So unlikely. A lot of, a lot of questions about the lineup. A lot of questions, but a lot of questions about the power play. What would you do with the power play? Like just get Riley back there again. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I've, I've always I don't totally understand why they had they have Neilander in the spot that they have consistently had him, and obviously that's been mostly around the front of the net when he's when he's on that loaded up unit. I just think that takes away what he's so good at, um, and that's the threat of his shot. He also sees the ice really well. Um, yeah, I, it's tough. Like they've they've kind of boxed themselves in a little bit. They haven't they haven't played around with that one specific thing all season. Um, it's an interesting question with Sandine because he did bring something to it that it lacked. Like it looked good yeah, early the, in the game. The tough thing is he hasn't done it all year, right? And going into it in the playoffs and like he, well, he, and he's barely done it in the NHL. Like yeah. he, I looked before. Well, the, look at the, the speed. Like, look at how much the, like Byron's a, a quick player, but like Sandine looked like he wasn't moving. Yeah. That's going to be the thing that holds Sandine back from being a top pair D in the NHL. You know, I think he can be a top four guy, but his foot speed. Yeah, yeah. Well, the game. I think he'd I mean, been the, on a while at that point, though, hadn't he? Yeah. I mean, you, I just watched like Colorado and like Sam Gerrard and Makar, and oh. like I think defense in the NHL continues to change, and like speed is becoming a huge, huge piece of it. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, I think one question or one thing we haven't discussed at all, uh, as in regards to the lineup, is is Jack Campbell played pretty well. He was good. I thought he was, he was really good. I mean, would you? I wouldn't fault him on the goals. I mean, the Byron one was just like an amazing play that he made. Yeah, I mean, you you could use a save. I, I don't know that you can expect a save. Clearly, I, he starts game two. Like that's not in doubt. So I that's, thought that's Campbell a was really really good. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest positives out of that game. Sure. Yeah. Uh, quite a few people have asked. Do you think they should think about sitting Joe Thornton? 
After, well, I mean, the two giveaways both lead to goals. The first one to me is more egregious than the second one. Like he's throwing a puck into the middle. Um, do I think they should sit him at this point? No. You? I, would, I might think about it. I mean, I would give him another chance, but I just don't love the other options. Like, yeah. again, like that's the thing. Like it's all options. Like it's who do you have and who do you trust? The Habs fans are getting cocky. They're filling my question feed. Absolutely asks, why would anyone do a report on the Leafs? They're terrible. The rhetoric is going to get spun up here on social media. Um, Brad asks us, what's wrong with Marner in the playoffs? How did you think he played in game one? I thought he was pretty good. You? I mean, I think what fans want to see is him make like the you know, I mean, he finished fourth in the NHL in scoring this year. I mean, people want to see him really change a game, and uh, I don't know that I saw that in game one. He played 27 minutes in Jesus Christ. And remember, he Holy. took a or Did he take a Yeah, Holy. he took one of the delay of game penalties. Holy crap. That is crazy. That might be too much, don't you think? It looked like the ice was impacting Marner. I saw him go down a couple of times. Like he was trying to make plays. And I mean, here's the thing. The one line that, that was really going was the Matthews line. Now, William Nylander played 1640. So you could, you could say, well, should they, play, should they have played uh, Nylander more? Part of that is, is Marner kills penalties. Marner had four minutes on the penalty kill. Um. And and who was playing with Neilander that really? I bet you know forward you the in the NHL played twenty eight minutes this year. I'm sure McDavid without did overtime. Point. I'm sure McDavid did don't without you without overtime. Like that's just wild. That's got to be one of the highest. I, that's I bet you that's one of the highest ice times ever for a forward with, without overtime. The problem is you're going to run into those long overtime games, but. Most of the time, the, long, the most minutes a forward gets in, in the in NHL season is like 25, 26. Well, he's, he's an important personality and player on their team. Uh, we got time for one more, and then I got to get to practice, James. Alex Scotian would like to know, are we cursed as a franchise? I mean, there, there were some people mumbling that in the press box last night. I mean, you get the... The the Kadri suspensions in the Boston series, and then Muzzin gets hurt last year, which was which was a, yep. ma- a massive massive absence. Like they could have won that series if Muzzin was healthy. Yeah, each of these ser- each of these postseasons has come with a significant uh, piece of adversity. I mean, even go back to the, the seventeen series against Washington, Polak, right? Like, didn't Polak have that that serious knee injury? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, he's not the same caliber, yeah, but like, it like yeah, the, it did lead to your. I think your he broke his favorite. ankle. Oh, is that what it was? And it did lead to a Martin Marincin appearance. I know you love the Martin Marincin appearances. All right, well, James, I got to get to practice uh, and find out what they're going to be doing here. Um, Again, we we send our best to to John Tavares. We we hope he's doing okay. Like, that's just, you never want to see that to anybody, let alone anybody. Like, forget, let's leave it at that. Like, you don't want to see that to anybody. And John Tavares... Uh, as you wrote about, and people should go read that, is, is just a really important person. He won the King Clancy Award for the Leafs mm. for his leadership and community efforts. Mm. Um, he's been nothing but a pro when he's dealing with us. 
Class hack um, and class hack. Uh, I've, there's, I've, there's you know, nothing. Yeah, you can't. I, I've enjoyed my conversations with him, and you know, he, he gets criticized for being a boring guy, but he's a thoughtful guy. I, I have a lot of respect for John Tavares as a person. Agreed. All right. Well, so we will um, be back at at some point next week, likely after game four. The Leafs play Monday, Tuesday, games three and four. Uh, so we will be likely back then, barring something crazy. So James, stay well. Everyone stay well. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon.